This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Travel restriction backlash. There's a lot of people that aren't being responsible, and so now the rest of us have to suffer. The crackdown on recreational visits, and will BC Ferries get on board? Searching for AstraZeneca. It has been insane since yesterday afternoon. The surge in demand after BC changed the age limit, and where you might be able to track down a dose. And key testimony at the Cullen Commission into money laundering. Well, I was very concerned about it. I mean, money laundering is a significant problem. Former Premier Christy Clark and what she says about provincial oversight as the dirty money rolled in. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The BC government is assuring us police will not be conducting random stops to enforce the upcoming COVID-19 travel restrictions. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the province is clarifying comments made by the Premier that had some people concerned about police overstepping. This will be a random audit to ensure people are following the guidelines. A day after the Premier announced unprecedented restrictions on people's movements, the government was left to clarify what's coming. While John Horgan did mention the steps would resemble the counterattack campaigns, Tuesday that was made clear. The random road checks will be set up not between health authorities, but will target travellers leaving the lower mainland. Expect checkpoints perhaps at ferry terminals or on Highway 1 in the Fraser Valley. Critics say this sounds like a government that hasn't completely thought through the policy. And that's concerning. It makes it sound like it was a really last-minute decision. They didn't have any of the legislation drafted. We still don't know what it looks like. With no information about what's actually going to happen, the vacuum is being filled with speculation. In the East Kootenays, locals and Albertans with vacation homes are left to wonder who's included in the travel ban. Like, we're both kind of like, are we going to get pulled over for having out-of-province plates, even though we both live and work here? I think that if people were to travel responsible, responsibly, then it wouldn't be necessary to have those kinds of restrictions. Okay, thank you. Have a safe night. There are still questions around enforcement, penalties, which police agencies are going to be responsible. The Civil Liberties Association says there's too much room for police to target racialized communities, even if the stops are more broadly applied. We might find that certain people can get away with passing through the checkpoints in ways that other people can't. The government's goal seems to be limiting recreational and non-essential travel. The details of the already announced plan won't be made public until Friday. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, BC Ferries is also set to tighten its rules around non-essential travel. Kylie Stanton is at the Swartz Bay Ferry Terminal tonight with more on what's changing and reaction to it, Kylie. 
Yeah, Chris, it will still be a couple of days before these new rules go into effect, but by this weekend, we can expect BC Ferries will stop booking recreational vehicles like campers and trailers. It will also be contacting passengers with reservations to ensure that they are traveling for essential purposes only. Now, the specifics of how this is all going to work, that's still up in the air, but today BC Ferries did say in a statement it will be making changes to discourage recreational and leisure travel and is currently working with the province on the details adding we will update customers with more details on the order once they are finalized. Passengers here though they say this is long overdue and are hopeful it will be enough to deter, deter people from traveling if they don't have to. I think it's necessary. I think Premier is only doing what he feels is necessary to control the pandemic. Uh, if there was more buy-in from people with their own uh, personal habits and choices perhaps the restrictions wouldn't be necessary. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I think uh, I wish Dr. Henry would just be a little tougher um, about borders and, re you know, traveling from region to region and so on. It, she's very kind and thoughtful, I'm sure, but it, it's not doing the trick. We also spoke to the BC Ferries and Marine Workers Union today, and it's raising concerns about the impacts these new rules may have on ferry employees. And once again, they're calling on the provincial government to prioritize them for vaccinations. Our workers have seen abuse from day one on this pandemic. And, you know, some of it is frustrated people, but other, other times it's things like anti-maskers. It's people who don't want to obey the rules. And we're sure we're going to see more of that right now. The least that the, the provincial government could do in this situation is vaccinate ferry workers. Now, the union says it will not be policing passengers, instead asking a series of questions at the gate. And if someone is deemed to be traveling for recreational reasons and refuses to turn around, that's when police will be called to deal with the situation. Chris? Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But thank you very much, Kylie Stanton in Swartz Bay. YVR and WestJet are touting the results of a study that suggests your chances of getting COVID-19 on a domestic flight are extremely low, as long as proper testing is in place. Rapid testing is seen as a way to keep flyers safe and restore confidence in the travel industry. Ted Chernecki has more. We may have a ban on recreational travel in B.C., but make no mistake about it, international and domestic flights continue to bring COVID into the province. 44 flights over a 10-day period in April had confirmed COVID cases on board, the majority of them domestic. And right now on domestic flights, uh, we don't do much other than, you know, self-screening and maybe temperature checks at certain uh, airports. But those are very, very ineffective. The BC Centre for Disease Control tracks how many flights in and out of YVR that have confirmed cases of COVID. At YVR International, over a 10-day period, there were 15 arriving flights, 10 from Delhi, 2 from Dallas, and one each from Amsterdam, San Francisco, and Seattle that brought with them COVID. On the domestic front, over a one-week period, 17 flights arrived with COVID and 12 flights departed to other parts of Canada with COVID. About three months ago, UBC, YVR and WestJet started a voluntary rapid test on domestic flights. They set up a curbside care pod outside the WestJet check-in counter. Those who volunteered, and there were almost 600 of them, knew within 10 to 15 minutes if they had COVID. You know, it's basically a, a piece of paper, special paper, that's coated with the viral protein. 
Think about the risk those passengers took. Had they tested positive, they would have not been allowed on their domestic flight. But not one of the almost 600 tested positive. Investigators then took those same samples and tested them with the longer, more traditional tests used by hospitals. And they confirmed all were negative. By and large, passengers uh, wanted to know whether they were positive before boarding the flight. Now researchers are calling on governments to implement what amounts to a litmus-like test Canada-wide. They don't believe it would be that hard to do and relatively inexpensive. And to bury the lead, this is possibly the best news airlines have had in a long while. Ted Chernacki, Global News. All right, let's take a look at the latest COVID-19 numbers for BC. While the daily case count is lower, we did set new records again for hospitalizations. We have 849 new cases today. That brings BC's total to 120,889. There are 9,145 active cases right now with 456 people in hospital, 148 of them in the ICU. 13,679 people are in self-isolation. Sadly, we have had one more death in BC. And more than 1.3 million people have now received at least one dose of vaccine in BC. And I believe that includes our Keith Baldry, who joins us live now to talk a little bit more about the positivity yep. rate. Uh, Keith, congratulations on your vaccine. And let's talk the, about the hospital numbers. They are at record highs, but there is better news when it comes to the positivity rate. Yes, first of all, in terms of my vaccine, I got my AstraZeneca shot today. So I encourage you, if you've got, just take a vaccine that's put in front of you. If you qualify, uh, don't worry about what kind it is. Take the one that you can get to first. Now, you're right. It's not all bad news. Uh, our daily case number, as you mentioned off the top, has been declining for some time now. We're down to about 1,026. We were up to 1,084 a day a week and a half ago. But the positivity rate is also edging downwards. Take a look at the trend now we've seen for some time, and this is very encouraging. Uh, we were as high is 10.65% positive rate on April 7th. We've been going down steadily to today's number, 9.25%. And again, we want to get down to about 5%. We had climbed to about 10 or 11%. That was very concerning. And that's when we get those high case numbers. Associated with the low positivity rate is the lower daily case number. Now, it's not the same across the province. The, the positivity rate in Fraser Health remains high at 11.31%. So they are higher than the, the rest of the province average and higher than Vancouver Coastal. And again, we look at the hospitalization numbers in the ICUs. Half of the increase of the hospitalization from day to day occurred in Fraser Health, primarily in Surrey. And then the ICU numbers, and this is concerning, 13 more people are in ICU in Fraser Health. Most of those, uh, if not all of those, are in Surrey ICUs. The ICU numbers for the rest of the health authorities dropped from day to day. So Fraser Health remains a real center for concern, which is why AstraZeneca is literally going to go into clinics within Surrey, places like Newton, Wally, Panorama, and Fleetwood are going to have their own clinics to get people vaccinated ahead of uh, other parts of the province. Sure, a lot of people in those uh, communities will be relieved. Thanks for that, Keith. Right. Back to the travel restrictions again for a moment. They couldn't come at a worse time for BC's embattled tourism industry with out-of-province travelers discouraged through till the May long weekend and even local visits off the table. Businesses that rely on tourism will have to wait even longer for their much-needed recovery. Nadia Stewart reports. It is a BC border town about to begin another summer season with little to no tourists. And for those who would normally frequent the Fernie area, the travel ban is being met with mixed feelings. There's a lot of people that aren't being responsible. And so now the rest of us have to suffer for, for that. And uh, we're all 
being being restricted because of the people that can't control their behavior. Well, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Like, like I don't know. It's just people they become lax, and uh, I think that uh, they have to learn that you know, like keep the numbers down. The crackdown is yet another blow to tourism across the province. That includes the Okanagan. We've said that um, non-essential travel is is not recommended. But the hope has always been that things would get better, not worse. And the longer this situation persists, the more pressure operators and cities across the province find themselves under. It's going to have some level of impact on uh, what is normally a $2 billion tourism industry in the Kelowna area. According to the province's Tourism Association, what is normally a $21 billion industry was reduced to a mere $7 billion last year. And this year is not looking good. In the meantime, the industry is waiting for more clarity. Is it going to be a ban? Is it not going to be a ban? Is it an order? Is it not an order? Uh, where are people allowed to travel? And can they hold on to hope for some kind of a summer travel season after the May long weekend? Nadia Stork, Global News. Well, Monday's announcement about more widespread availability of the AstraZeneca vaccine in B.C. has sparked huge demand. Some pharmacies say appointments had recently dropped off, but that all changed once people 40 and over found out they could get it too. Nitu Karcha has the latest, including where you might still be able to get the shot. Kevin Bowsran is getting an AstraZeneca vaccine. It feels good. I mean, um, it's nice to kind of see this uh, see this day. Since B.C. health officials announced Monday his age bracket of 40 to 55 can book, demand for this dose has surged at Wellness Pharmacy in Surrey. Flying off the shelves, flying out of the fridge because that's where we keep them. <laughs> it's a far cry from just a few days ago when low demand forced pharmacists like Jasmine Garaya to throw out an expired vial that could have immunized eight people. There was a little bit of hesitancy, um, so we were kind of shocked that, oh, okay, people are now kind of seeing the headlines being changed and are kind of getting on board now. London Drug says its 47 pharmacies giving out the shot in B.C. have been so inundated since Monday, you'll likely be put on a waiting list. You may have better luck at Shoppers Drug Mart, Superstore or PharmaSave, where the companies say doses are still available, but demand is high, thanks in part to this development. It's now become clear that the risk of, of very rare blood clots associated with vaccination is in the range of about four in a million. And a new study out of UBC awaiting peer review suggests if BC continues the frontline worker vaccination program with the AstraZeneca shot, we'd see nearly 45,000 less COVID cases, 800 fewer hospitalizations and 120 less deaths by October. We found that for uh, people who are 40 years of age or older, the benefits of getting the AstraZeneca vaccine um, far outweigh the risks of waiting even as little as two weeks to get, a, to get an alternative vaccine. AstraZeneca doses are also being distributed through special clinics in 13 at-risk areas with the highest COVID case rates. Most are in Surrey. Fraser Health's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Elizabeth Brodkin, says people can register on the government's website. And registration includes identifying your age and your postal code. An invitation will immediately go out to actually go online and book the vaccine. Bazran says it's a sign of hope on the horizon. Whatever your situation is, I think if you qualify on your age base, go and get it done. Neetu Garcha, Global News. Well, so much for the surplus. B.C. Budget Day brings a new pandemic reality and big spending to pull the province out of economic trouble. That's next on the News Hour.
We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. Former police officer Derek Chauvin ends up guilty of all charges for killing George Floyd. The verdict and reaction coming up later. And dealing with the aftermath of a huge fire in Langley that engulfed an unfinished condo complex and forced dozens from neighboring homes. That's later. Right now, though, some major spending promises designed to speed up B.C.'s pandemic recovery are a big part of the 2021 provincial budget delivered in the legislature today. Richard Zussman has a close look at B.C.'s latest financial snapshot, the big ticket budget items and what's not included. A budget defined by one thing, COVID-19. This whole intent is to be ready for recovery. We want to make sure that businesses um, can stay, you know, ready, ready to open their doors uh, when it's safe to do so. The province unveiling a fiscal framework for the next three years with an intense focus on the next few months. Nearly $3 billion in new COVID-19 related spending, but $3 billion set aside if needed. But as this pandemic has shown us, uh, things can change. And so that's why we have a significant um, um, pandemic and recovery contingency so that we have the flexibility to support as things evolve over time. And there are already lots of groups clamoring for funding. The province announcing $100 million in tourism dollars for anchor attractions like Science World and Butchar Gardens. But with a travel ban about to come into place and running through the May long weekend, the industry needs more cash. We're very concerned about getting through the next month. We're seeing lots of cancellations. I heard of one operator today who cancelled $100,000 worth of business. The one glimpse beyond COVID, the big financial numbers. British Columbia's economy bouncing back faster than expected. A $9.7 billion deficit in 2021-22, shrinking to a projected deficit of $5.5 billion the year after and $4.3 billion the year after that. With the goal of balanced books in seven to nine years, debt is also growing, but that's on the back of low insurance rates. It's fairly, um, mostly a status quo budget, aside from the fact we see huge spending and huge debt. <coughs> a few NDP promises missing. No commitment to a sick day program filling the gaps from the federal program. The federal budget didn't do anything um, to bolster that program. It's time now for the provincial government to step up. And the means-tested renter's rebate promised in the last election, that's missing as well. With a commitment, it will come at some point before the 2024 provincial election. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Up next, Christy Clark in the Cullen Commission Spotlight. I'm going to ask you some questions now, Ms. Clark, about um, the issue of suspicious cash. How the former premier responded when pressed about what she knew and what she did about money laundering in B.C. casinos. And, of course, reaction to the guilty verdict that eases some of the pain for those seeking justice for George Floyd. An ongoing police incident here in Burnaby is still causing some pretty big delays for eastbound traffic on Highway 1 near Gallardi. Save time, shop online with Save on Foods, then swing by for free curbside pickup or have it delivered to your door. Shop faster, shop easier in the Save on Foods app. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 1 and Gallardi. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's the kickoff to a very important few weeks for the Cullen Commission into money laundering with a number of marquee witnesses today, beginning with former Premier Christy Clark. Clark disputed previous testimony that the Liberal government at the time did not take action. But as John Hua reports, there was a lot the former Premier didn't seem to know. The fact criminals were targeting casinos to launder their dirty cash. I so swear. I so swear. Was already on Christy Clark's radar when she began her reign as B.C. Premier. Well, I was very concerned about it. I mean, money laundering is a significant problem. And it happens inside casinos and it happens outside casinos and it fuels organized crime. The leader of the former B.C. Liberal government from 2011 to 2017 told the Cullen Commission she had open communication with her cabinet and made it clear money laundering was a concern. When I said get it done, I knew that they were getting it done because they were, they were following up. But when pressed by commission counsel, there was plenty. The former premier didn't seem to know about the increase in suspicious funds being funneled into BC casinos. Did you know that patrons were regularly buying in for six figures predominantly in $20 bills? No. Clark also stated she didn't know that betting limits were raised up to $100,000 a hand or that suspicious cash at casinos was being reported, but not refused. Did you ask whether this money that was reported as suspicious was accepted by casinos and ultimately gained with and subsequently contributed to the provincial revenue or whether it was refused? Did you make that inquiry? I didn't. What is unclear whether Clark noticed the substantial increase in casino contributions to government coffers? considering the close attention she said was paid to the provincial books. It is a daily exercise within the Ministry of Finance, seeing where we're at with various parts of government. Are we on budget? Are we off budget? Still, Clark told the commission she thought appropriate action was taken, which started with the swift implementation of all of the recommendations from the 2011 Croker report, except for the formation of a joint casino task force. My assumption is just because of the complexity of bringing all those agencies together. Despite those changes, the amount of suspicious cash being dumped at casino cages continued to climb at an alarming rate. That's not something that was uh, discussed with you by your ministers? No. Clark told the commission she wasn't made aware of the huge spike in suspicious funds until 2015. The minister of finance, who was responsible for gaming, came to me and said, hey, we have a problem that's been reported to me, and I, I want to do more. Doing more meant rushing to form that joint casino task force, first recommended back in 2011. My recollection is that Minister DeYoung brought all the ministries together, identified the focus, 
found the funding for it within about two weeks. Clark told the commission that move happened quickly because DeYoung showed the will to act. Begging the question, what more could have been done when suspected casino money laundering was reaching its peak? During a four-year period that falls under the former premier's watch. John Hua, Global News. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin has been found guilty on all charges in the death of George Floyd. Global's Reggie Cicchini is live in Washington with more on today's verdict and reaction. And Reggie, this is such a huge case, even the president weighing in on it. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Look, this trial really not left just the city of Minneapolis on edge, but the entire country was. And the verdict, while it was unknown then, is, was, and will have wide-ranging implications. We, the jury, in the above-entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. Former uh, officer Derek Chauvin was stoic and stone-faced as he watched the jury essentially take his freedoms away while the Floyd family rose from their seats where they were listening to the verdict read out in another room. And it was simply elation. You could tell the weight that had been lifted off of their shoulder, but at the same time, a new weight was placed on. The family, they expressed relief while understanding the brevity of this verdict. Now, Floyd's death sparked a conversation over racial inequities, over police reform, but change isn't going to happen in this country overnight. It's still uh, the fears over protests in the streets. They really have subsided as celebrations began easing the concern that had prompted an uptick in law enforcement, not just in Minneapolis, but right around the country. Now, the president, he phoned the, uh, the, uh, the Floyd family after the verdict was handed down and then later joined by the vice president spoke of systemic racism that they see in the United States and the fact that one verdict and a moment of justice doesn't equate to justice for all. So we can't leave this moment or look away thinking our work is done. We have to look at it. We have to we have to look as, as we did for those nine minutes and 29 seconds. We have to listen. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Those are George Floyd's last words. We can't let those words die with him. We have to keep hearing those words. We must not turn away. We can't turn away. We have a chance to begin to change the trajectory in this country. It's my hope and prayer that we live up to the legacy. Former President Obama made similar remarks earlier today while thanking the millions who took to the streets to bring about the beginnings of change. Now, Chauvin is now jailed. His bail has been revoked. He'll be sentenced in about eight weeks where the judge has wide discretion, meaning that maximums, especially that 40-year sentence for a second-degree murder conviction, might not be what's handed down. Chris? We'll see at that time. Thanks very much. Reggie Cicchini reporting from Washington. Up next, the aftermath of the Langley Inferno. I became very scared and there was a lot of anxiety in my house. The families who had a front row seat for a massive fire that came too close for comfort. And a shocking daylight shooting at a crowded park with another young man gunned down. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, brought to you in part by the BCTF, our kids and their teachers worth investing in. 
Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge this evening. Keep in mind there are lane closures during the overnight hours for maintenance. Time to renew your home insurance. Switch to BCAA for local knowledge, customized coverage, and valuable ways to save. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Dozens of people have been forced from their homes after a huge fire consumed a nearby Langley construction site. The flames were first spotted at around 9.30 last night. Our Ahmad Agahi is there tonight. Uh, Ahmad, it's just rubble now, but this fire at its height could be seen for kilometers. Yeah, from Coquitlam, from Surrey, you name it. This was an unforgettable night for this neighborhood. Talk of the town stuff. And before we show you that remarkable uh, picture and video from last night, it is important to note nobody was hurt here last night. It's hard to take your eyes off a burning building. The fire just kept getting bigger and bigger. A large section of the building has already collapsed, but there's going to be another section that's going to go. We just heard a loud explosion. It was almost like two semi-trucks colliding head-on. And then uh, next thing you know, I look out my window and uh, this is what's happening now. Aggressive flames exploding from the top of this incomplete Langley condo building put firefighters immediately on the defensive. I've been doing this for a while. Uh, this is one of the biggest fires I've ever been at. The RCMP were tasked with pushing the onlookers back. The crowd control at one point, there was obviously hundreds of people here. Uh, the RCMP came on and seen did a really good job of getting the, getting the people away from the power lines, which was a main concern for us as well, especially with the transformers that were starting to go. While an army of firefighters jumped into action, trying to save neighboring buildings and those who lived there. We heard some big screams coming down from, uh, from downstairs. I think there was a firefighter saying, get out, get out. And this young couple grabbed anything they could think of. And as of the next afternoon, were still waiting to go back to their nearby townhome. The heat so intense, it traveled across a four-lane street. That siding has pretty much melted. Smoldering the side of Michelle Molner's home. It was hard. You know, they're blasting it, and the firefighters were in the townhouse next door. I have a, a whole new appreciation for firefighters. Okay, uh, we're back to a live shot of the scene and that condo building that 21 hours now after the fire is still seeing smoke rising from the ground. The uh, cause of the fire is still under investigation. I did reach the developer of that project, which is called Alexander Square. The developer says it is trying to reach everybody on that pre-sale list and says that they're vowing to complete the project. Back to you guys. All right, thanks for that. Samadagahi in Langley. 20-year-old Bailey McKinney has been identified as the victim in Metro Vancouver's latest deadly shooting. And as Sarah McDonald reports, the killing happened at around 6.30 yesterday on a sunny evening in the middle of a very busy Coquitlam Park. This typically crowded park space in Coquitlam stood frozen in time on Tuesday, close to the public and crawling instead with officers investigating a brazen deadly shooting at a basketball court in broad daylight on Monday. To have such a brazen incident in a public park at 6.30 in the evening when there's so many people around is very concerning. Homicide investigators identifying the victim as Bailey McKinney, a Tri-Cities man who at 20 years old was no stranger to police, due in court next month on a string of charges, including assault with a weapon, unlawful confinement, and drug trafficking. 
we believe he had conflict with certain individuals. They targeted him for murder, and murder is what happened. While investigators are certain McKinney was targeted, they haven't yet determined if his death has ties to the escalating Lower Mainland gang conflict, which claimed the life of Harpreet Singh Dhaliwal in Vancouver on Saturday. Bullets flying within meters of innocent civilians there too. I've been living here a lot, you know, almost 40 years. It's a pretty good city. And I really don't like, like this. A shooting is quite a serious incident, so it, yeah, it scares us as a parent. And whoever killed McKinney remains at large, escaping after pulling the trigger in front of dozens of witnesses. There may be some who actually knew our victim who were there, and some perhaps may even know the shooter. Investigators now looking to speak with anyone who saw anything as the latest targeted hit that could have easily claimed innocent victims remains unsolved. Sarah McDonald, Global News. The Prime Minister is hinting that more restrictions could be on the way for people traveling from world COVID hotspots such as India and Brazil. The PM says Canada has some of the most stringent border restrictions in the world right now with mandatory pre-boarding and arrival testing for international flights as well as a quarantine. But with places like India seeing more than 200,000 new cases a day and 15 million total infections, additional measures may be required. The ceremony may have been small, but his impact on one BC community is huge. Hockey's been my life since I was a, a youngster. Coming up, we'll introduce you to Coach Koshi and the big honor he just received in trail. And another feel-good story. Remember those stolen puppies in Surrey? They've all been found. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The official 420 event in Vancouver has been cancelled for the second year in a row, but that didn't stop a sizable crowd from gathering at Sunset Beach this afternoon. Woo. Happy 420, brother. As you can see, about a couple of hundred people gathered to mark 420 at 420 today. A public health order is in place, of course, prohibiting outdoor gatherings of more than 10 people in an effort to stop the spread of COVID-19. And yet, as you see, numerous booths have been set up and music was playing. Police were seen patrolling the area, but no effort was made to clear the crowd or issue tickets while our cameras were there. Dancing in the sunshine. Who yeah, can blame well, them? there's that. <laughs> All right, Christy Gordon joins us now. There has been a lot of sunshine, Christy. Uh, and do we have more on the way? Mm-hmm. We do. We have a couple of more days, but we're certainly going to start to feel a change possibly tomorrow, although I think tomorrow might be pretty good. And then it's Thursday that we'll feel the change. So today's day 11 of dry weather. It's been an incredible stretch, really. Uh, I'm going to show you, though, one area of the province, believe it or not, has snow in the forecast for tomorrow, 5 to 10 centimeters. But first, let's have a quick look at your photos. A gorgeous shot from Harrison Lake. This is little Clara. She was skipping rocks on a beautiful sunset evening there. Thank Thank you to uh, Emily for sharing that one. And Corinne sent us this one from last night in Kamloops. All right, so daytime highs today, 19 to low 20s across the south coast region. So uh, not a scorcher, scorcher, but certainly well above seasonal by a good 5 degrees. And the interior regions into the 20s with Lillooet-Lytton area hitting that 24, 25 degree mark. 
This is the change that's on the way. So tomorrow, another hot one. We'll see lots of sunshine, although there is a chance of showers in the Okanagan Valley tomorrow evening, but dropping down to near seasonal values. And we'll feel that change right across the province come Thursday and sure into Friday. So this is the reason why the snowfall is in the forecast for BC Peace River area. So in the morning, you'll likely see it as rainfall, but the temperature is actually going to drop during the day. So uh, Tumbler Ridge, Chetwin, you have the possibility of 5 to 10 centimeters of snow later in the day tomorrow. Fort St. John, you'll likely see snowfall, but it may just be wet snow for your region. And you'll note the showers in through the Okanagan Valley, sort of the Thompson area. That's tomorrow evening. So lots of sunshine during the day tomorrow for you, although you'll see a little bit more cloud cover and you do have that chance of showers tomorrow evening. But nonetheless, in the low 20s once again, and it is the last day for those of you in the interior, whereas the south coast, we sort of have two more days of warmth on the way before we start to see that drop in temperature. So Friday, back to near seasonal values. That's when we're going to see mainly cloudy skies and a chance of showers. Although Friday is certainly not a soaker. It's just a chance of showers. It's more so Saturday that we're watching for periods of rain. And here's tonight's central windows weather window looking out from Tawasson. Monica sharing that one. I don't know how they do that for type of photography where it looks like Mount Baker's <laughs> right up on the beach there. But very <laughs> cool. Thank you to Monica for that. On a clear day, it is beautiful. Thank you very much, Christy. Seems so close, doesn't it? All right, a good news update now on those puppies that were stolen during a break-and-enter in South Surrey earlier this month. Surrey RCMP say all three American Bulldog puppies have been returned to their owner and, most importantly, reunited with their mother. One of the three pups was reunited with the owner two days after the theft. It had been sold to someone at a car show who then contacted police. Police won't say exactly how they found the other two, but they do say tips from the public helped. That's, no, this is our excuse to run cute puppy photos. Right, and, and no doubt they were global viewers who helped oh, out. Oh, yeah. I'm, Look at those no proof two of that, little but, uh, ones. And eventually the puppies will also be global viewers. Yes, they will. <laughs> Everybody comes around eventually, Squire. They do. Uh, we'll update you on the Canucks. Alex Edler says he didn't do it on purpose either. And we'll meet one of the newest Vancouver Whitecaps. All right. Thank you, Squire. Coming up as well, a fixture in minor hockey for almost five decades. How the community of trail is celebrating Coach Ken Koshay. Well, it was a heroic win for the Canucks coming off the COVID protocol. Can they repeat? That's a very good question. Can they repeat their heroics of Sunday night? It's a rematch against the Maple Leafs. Uh, even though Vancouver isn't saying much about its playoff plight these days, things have flipped a bit. The Canucks are now the ones with lots of games in hand. Montreal is 10 points up on Vancouver, but the uh, Canucks do have five in hand on the Habs in the race for the final playoff spot. So... You could say there is hope. You could also say that I'm being way too optimistic. But beating the Maple Leafs two straight games has not been easy for any Canadian team this season. Thatcher Demko in uniform, in a mask, on the bench. Backing up Braden Holtby, who's playing again. He was brilliant on Sunday against Toronto. Matthew Highmore, one of the new Canucks. Can't beat David Riddich, who, of course, used to play for Calgary. That keeps it scoreless. Then a bit of an... 
problem here for Tyler Myers. He's down. William Nylander goes around him. But everybody gets mesmerized by Nylander and forgets about the highly paid John Tavares. And gets it out in front. And it's 1-0 after one period for the Maple Leafs. Now, Alex Edler is not in this game tonight. Of course, uh, he won't play the next game for the Canucks either because of that two-game suspension he was given for Neen, the Leafs' Zach Hyman, on Sunday. Hyman was injured on the play. They say he'll miss at least two weeks, and he's an important player for Toronto. He does a lot of the dirty work that the big scoring stars the Leafs had have make that don't normally do. Edler isn't questioning his suspension, but he does say the whole play was actually just an accident. Yeah, uh, it's an unfortunate play. I'm trying to, you know, to hit him and, uh, you know, he cuts to the middle and uh, I can't get my leg out of there and uh, we're having a knee-on-knee -knee collision uh, and uh, unfortunately he gets injured on the play and, you know, I feel awful for him uh, and I'm just hoping uh, he recovers fast and he's back quick. Roberto Luongo will be uh, the GM of Canada's team at this year's World Hockey Championships, provided, of course, there is a World Hockey Championships. They're supposed to be held in Latvia starting on May 21st. He was also recently named assistant GM for Canada's 2022 Olympic hockey team, where he will be one of the uh, guys looking for goalies and evaluating them. The Whitecaps won their opening game on Sunday without some of their off-season recruits like defender Bruno Gaspar, who last played in Portugal with Sporting. The Caps approached him a few months ago to see if he'd be interested in coming to MLS. He was loaned to Vancouver for the season, and he was more than happy to accept the job on Vancouver's back line. Um, I know the I watch it sometimes uh, MLS. Also Vancouver, uh, I really enjoyed the, the team. Uh, also the fans. The stadium, uh, the city is very good. So, what can I can I ask more for? Uh, fans, uh, the city, the club, staff. It's a it's a perfect club to to play. Well, because of fan backlash and potential banishment from the uh, Premiership, all six English clubs wanting to join the European Super League have now said they're not going to join. The six teams were Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool and Arsenal. And with those teams pulling out, the Super League, which was to include 20 top clubs from all over Europe, is now in danger of collapsing before it ever begins. Let's go down the I-5, shall we, and see how Seattle did today against the L.A. Dodgers. Afternoon ball, two first-place teams. Julio Urias, strikeouts. He had 11 of them. How about this for some defense? From J.P. Crawford. Don't need the bare hand. Just use the glove. But that is nothing compared to this. Oh, Dylan Moore. I got to see this two more times. Brilliant catch at second base. I love this one, though. He just jumps in the camera angle. Right in the lens. There you go. Brilliant catch. That keeps it scoreless, but uh, Corey Seager would eventually bring home a run. Austin Barnes, who refuses to admit he's in my family, scores. That made it 1 0. And uh, 11 strikeouts, as we said, for Urias as LA beat Seattle 1 0. I want to show you this. Watch this. Watch the outfielder. This kid's got guts. He's got determination, but he's got no sense of where the wall is. 
And just like that, Amherst That's uh, a young man named Dylan Jude right. racing Dylan back Jude and going right the through wall. the fence. He'd be okay. He'll be all right, though, in the store. The fence, of course, will not. <laughs> Needed some repairs. Oh. Oops. Oh, a little bruised up, maybe. <laughs> but good, good effort. he'll never be forgotten for that. Nope. He's now a legend. Very true. All right, thanks, Squire. Here's Jay Durant now with a preview of Global News at 11. Jay. Thanks, Chris. We're watching a manhunt unfolding in the Kootenays at this hour. Police were called to the Elk Valley region a few hours ago for a report of a man with a firearm who authorities believe illegally crossed the border into Canada. This footage just coming into our newsroom of the response. Plus, details about a messy truck fire that backed up traffic east of Cypress Creek Bridge in West Vancouver this afternoon. We'll have those stories and more coming up tonight at 11. Sounds good, Jay. Thank you. Up next, a coach to generations of hockey players is calling it a career after 47 years. His words of wisdom next. Appalling abuse. In China. Go back to China where you came from. And growing fear. A lot of Asians are really scared right now. Canada, it's time to talk. Hidden hate, anti-Asian racism. A global news special, Saturday at 7.30. All right, Squires here, and uh, we'll finish off the show with a great story about the contribution of coaches. It is amazing what a lot of people do, and not just here, but all around the world. People who volunteer to help kids learn a sport and enjoy a sport and fall in love with the sport, and Ken Koshay has done that in trail for a long time. Backwards. That's it. Backwards. Backwards. Stay backwards. In order to travel backwards through Ken Koshay's life, you would need to learn how to skate because so much of it has revolved around hockey. Hockey's been my life since I was a, a youngster uh, growing up back in the prairies. After a failed tryout with the Detroit Red Wings in the 60s, he moved to trail to play for the Smoke Eaters and began voluntarily coaching kids something he has done for 47 years. That's it, good, good, good. The thing with Ken is that his kids, um, they always had fun. Excellent, oh, that's okay, that's okay. That's it, good job. You know, I don't know that anyone had a negative experience ever playing for Ken. But at the age of 76, Ken has decided this will be his last season. He's retiring. Pretty soon I won't be able to tie up my skates and I'll have to get my wife to do it. <laughs> So the Greater Trail Minor Hockey Association wanted to give back to the man who gave so much of himself to them. You are exactly the type of volunteer coach that every organization is looking for. And we were lucky enough to have you. For people in and around trail, not seeing Ken on the ice will be strange. But his advice about coaching is absolutely timeless. I, I think that uh, just to be positive with the kids, not to uh, downgrade them, but always tell them their strengths and, um, you know, work on, uh, work on being a person uh, uh, on the ice and off the ice. Way to go out there. Way to go. Way to skate, bud. Way to go. I'm sure a lot of little players will be missing him. And a lot of older players. Yeah. They used to be little players. That's yes, true. Indeed. Yeah, very true. So thankful <laughs> for the contributions of all the coaches I've had along the way, and, and most people are as well. All right, last word uh, be mm -hmm. before we go from Christy. So clear skies overnight tonight. We may see a little bit more cloud cover tomorrow, but still one more spectacular day. Thursday will start to feel a bit of a change. All right, thanks very much. Thanks for watching. Have a good night, all.